You're listening to the FBC Canyon Podcast, where we seek to equip and encourage our church body to display the gospel through joyful character, community, and conversations. I'm Drew Taylor, and today I'm here with Steve Olson and Andrew Self. Sorry, guys, we, we've been out for about a month now, and part of that's Andrew's fault. I'm Way to go, Andrew, pretty much. Yeah. That's the only reason I came on staff, was just to <laughs> thwart your plans. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Our podcast would have been number one in Apple <laughs> iTunes. Yeah, it wasn't for you. No, it, it's nobody's fault. It's the life of COVID right now. And um, as soon as you feel like you're getting a routine, um, COVID throws a curveball and you get set off your routine. So anyways, today we're going to be talking uh, through our sermon series. That we're going to take a little deeper look into Revelation 17 and looking at this idea of living in Babylon. Before that... Um, I want to talk about Thanksgiving traditions. So what, what what do you guys typically do during Thanksgiving? What's maybe unique that you guys do or not unique, um, but just kind of something that your family seeks to do each year as you celebrate the Thanksgiving holiday? Yeah, it's kind of different for us this year because my, fam- my um, family were kind of in three different states and four really if you count all of my extended family so this year is kind of a weird one we already celebrated thanksgiving uh this year but i don't think we have necessarily any you've already celebrated yeah we already we're already thankful when did you do that uh saturday okay yeah well at least you were in november so you have like turkey and dressing yep what and ham deviled eggs all right mm-hmm. salad green beans yeah i feel like halloween thanksgiving and december have become like month holidays where like if you celebrate thanksgiving any point in november you're good yeah december anytime for christmas you're good (laughs) halloween stuff starts coming out early october people getting getting ready so what'd y'all do we just ate yeah watch some tennessee football they finally won so that was that was good yeah are you tennessee fan Mm -hmm. yeah all my family's from east tennessee okay we should have talked to each other when kiffin went back to i know I'll send right now if I talk about okay. him, so we're not, we're not pass. You'd have been up there throwing a golf ball yeah. at him. <laughs> or a bottle with yeah. unknown liquids. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> we'll tell you after the podcast. Okay, all right. But yeah, we don't really have like any strange or unique uh, traditions. Just get together and eat good food. Everybody's involved in the cooking process. So, yeah, Do you all normally celebrate Thanksgiving multiple times in the month, or is that just... Unique to this year. Just unique to this year, yeah. My sister lives in Colorado. My other sister lives in Central Texas in the same town that my parents do. And so it just made sense to do it early because of different schedules. So, yeah. So you're going to celebrate again. Yeah, probably to some extent. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up going to Tennessee and we'd go to like four different Thanksgivings on Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. So you just feel miserable by the end of the day. Mm -hmm. I feel like. Yeah, you get gluttonous. A, yeah, get a get, get a wheelbarrow to get back to your car. Sinful day. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna give thanks by overeating. That's right. Well, our our normal tradition is just to cook and hang out. So I do all the cooking for Thanksgiving. Um, have a couple of different menus that we do, but yeah, just making lots of food and eating. Then you do like. Turkey pot pies or something. Done turkey pot pies, done turkey cordon bleu, and then traditional Thanksgiving dinner are like my three norms. And we really tried to talk you into making turkey pot pies for us as a staff, Mm -hmm. but you just gave us the the blanks there. Like, that's too much work. Oh, it is. Like, (laughs) 
I mean, I start making my cornbread three days before so that it can dry out to make the cornbread stuffing crust and making a few items the day before that or the day before Thanksgiving. But then I'm up by 6 a.m. getting my turkey made and all the other ingredients. And we usually don't eat lunch until almost 2 o'clock. So Mm. it's like in the kitchen from 6 to 2. We're not worth that. You're not worth it. That's right. (laughs) I'll go buy a... Is that lady Mrs. Calendars? <laughs> oh, yeah, Marie Calendars. Yeah, yeah. yeah, one of her pot pies from the frozen food section. Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, I don't think we do anything uh, special per se. Um, we normally get together with family. This year, Lindsay's family's coming in, and um, so her, her mom really likes to cook. So I'm sure most of the day, Lindsay and her mom will be in the kitchen. Um, do y'all do uh, sweet potato casserole? Yeah, sweet potato no, casserole no. people. Mm-hmm. Must be Mississippi thing. Are you talking about with like the marshmallows on top? Well, we don't do marshmallows, but oh, okay. like brown sugar and pecans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I mean, it's basically a dessert yeah. that you get to claim as part of the meal. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, yeah, and then you get to eat dessert, like pie or something after yeah. that. So. Yeah. Double dessert day. But that's what, what we normally do. Last year, we actually went on vacation and we left our kids with her parents. So I don't know if that was uh, bad parenting on our end, but it was a great Thanksgiving holiday. So. Just giving thanks for yeah. <laughs> being <laughs> this like a silent day of yes. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we went. It was it was great just to be able to sit in silence. Like people ask what you do. I was like, nothing. We just sat there. We got four kids. It's in our house is normally <laughs> so loud. So we were thankful for silence. So her parents are her family's coming in for Thanksgiving. Y'all are gonna leave. So we did last last year we did. You're that. not doing it this year. This though. year we're gonna stay with you. You're them. not gonna be like, hey, I'll be back in a little bit yeah. and be gone for 12 hours. <laughs> yeah. That might happen. <laughs> we're not going to leave the country this time. So, All right, well, let, let's get into um, our conversation today. At the end of the sermon uh, yesterday, you mentioned that, uh, or one of the applications was that we, we now, in, in a sense, live in, in Babylon. We live in the world that um, the evil one is at work. And where uh, worldly um, culture leads us to rebel against God, not naturally um, to pursue Him. Um, I think before this, you said the world's not neutral. So I think one of the temptations that we can have as God's people, as the church, is these some of these things you talked about as far as prosperity and idolatry related to sexual immorality, um, pride, power, success. Um, We can allow those things to begin to to creep into uh, the church body and be influenced by them. Um, one of the things you also mentioned was this idea of uh, Babylon being this great prostitute that was seductive. And so with that, what, what are some of the ways that we can be watchful of our own lives? Not just look out at the world and say, oh, how terrible are they? But be be careful that those um, values of the world don't begin to creep in and influence us more than they ought. Yeah, I think just to back up in what you uh, had just said in in recognizing that the world that we live in um, is that it's not neutral. Uh, Peter, when he closes out his first epistle there in chapter 5, I can't remember what verse it is, but near the very end, uh, he says, uh, and the saints in Babylon greet you. So Peter, he's writing this letter to churches and um, so he's saying, hey, the other Christians who are with me right now are greeting you, and but he identifies them as living in Babylon. 
And, um, and probably when he wrote that letter, uh, he was actually living in Rome, but he is referring to Rome as Babylon, probably for many different reasons, but, um, just the similarities of Rome being the capital city of a nation of an empire that was against God's people and Babylon back in the old Testament being a capital of a nation of an empire that was against God's people. So a lot of similarities, but, um, Anyway, it just shows that even Peter in that in his day was like, hey, we live in this world of Babylon, and um, God uses that imagery of Babylon in Revelation to talk about this, um, what will be a future city, and so I believe that this is speaking of a future city, maybe not specifically called Babylon, but maybe it's the spirit of Babylon that uh, inhabits this capital city in the future, um, and just it. Yeah, we just see the sinfulness of it, just the the how corrupted it is, and um, that's going to be a, a a spirit of corruption, a spirit of defilement. That's not just going to be in that city, but just throughout the world, and that's going to be true in the future. But it's also true today, and so we just have to recognize that this is the world that we live in, and um, and so it is going to take being watchful in it, and so. Of these different categories that were mentioned in chapter 17 of, of prosperity, of idolatry, of, of being rebel, rebellious, um, just the pride that, that, that we experience in our world, I think we just have to recognize just what are these vices first and foremost, um, be able to identify them and so that we can stand guard against them. And so that would be the first thing I would say is that we just need to know, all right, here's the vices that are the sins that the our world uh, portrays. And we need to be able to know what those are so that we can recognize them for what they are because we have to be able to, when we are responding maybe in a prideful way, um, be able to say, all right, I'm being prideful. Or if we see a brother or sister in Christ acting in a certain way, say, hey, that's not the way that we are to act as, as the church, uh, which is to be in contrast to the world around us. So, so knowing what the sins are, knowing, knowing, the, knowing what the vices are uh, in the world that we live in would be the first way uh, to be watchful. Mm-hmm. I'd say also understanding um, that we're not just talking about the morality, but we're talking about spirituality mm-hmm. when it comes to, to idolatry. That, you know, it, It's easy for us just to categorize that, well, I don't do those things, so I'm okay. And I notice in my own life, whenever I just look at abstaining from things, and not actually following Jesus uh, proactively, um, I'm just I'm just creating another category of it's it's me against these people, or I'm not doing this. And the spirit, my spiritual life, you know, is just lacking of of vigor. Um, so when I think of being watchful, you know, it's this proactive. It's you know, I'm I'm constantly examining myself. I'm asking the Spirit to search me, um, not just because I I don't want to do bad things, but because I want to be more like more like Christ. And when you are in an exile in Babylon. What does that, what does that look like? There's so much going on. It's not just people doing bad things, but it's people worshiping, um, false gods, um, by, by their sin. And so for us as followers of Jesus, we, we get to worship Jesus, worship the true God, um, by being holy, by, um, talking and walking and acting and believing like Jesus would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely think there's a, there's a putting off and a putting on mm-hmm. that we see often Paul uh, talks about. And uh, maybe we can look at some of those verses here in, in a minute. Um, 
particularly the one that comes in my mind is, is Galatians 5, where it talks about the works of the flesh, and then it contrasts that with the fruit of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I definitely think as we think about being watchful, we do know what the world is trying to convince us is the most important, whether that's, you know, economic prosperity. And so we're, we're tempted to, you know, um, compromise our convictions for a better economic, more prosperity, more money. Uh, we won't think we put our hope and trust in that. Or if it's, uh, we compromise because we, we kind of get behind somebody that we think is going to win the day. Um, so, so we got to watch what the world's trying to convince us is most important, but we also got to look to Christ and, think about what his kingdom values are. So as you think about even uh, some of the things we just talked about, what are some of the kingdom values of Christ that um, directly kind of contradict or contrast to what we just um, read about? Um, Meekness is one that that I was thinking about during the sermon, even though I have my kids in the service with us and it was time change. And so it was hard to fight to pay attention. <laughs> um, but as I was thinking about um, Babylon and Steve, you had you know, talked about Nebuchadnezzar, you talked about the Tower of Babel. Um, so like these big um, types that we have in the scriptures that, that just point to man's hubris and man thinking he's powerful. Um, so thinking about that, and then this prostitute and these people drinking the blood of, uh, of the saints. I was thinking about Christ's meekness whenever he was here um, in the incarnation, when he took on flesh, he was uh, exemplified himself as as meek and as lowly and as kind. And I, for me, that's something that's hard to um, hard for me to actively pursue because I've I, I find it easy to buy into the um, American narrative of power. Um, you know, might is right. Um, we can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We can do anything. We're undefeated, you know, world war champions like that. It's really easy for me to buy into that. And so as I think about, um, Christ's kingdom being marked by citizens who are, who are meek, um, and who are, who are not prideful, that's, that's something that really stood out to me during the sermon. And then also during community group last night of, um, seeing that the the rest of this world is so vicious in its approach. If you think something counter to what they, what the, you know, whatever is the major opinion, um, they're just going to chew you up and spit you out. Um, so it's easy to say, well, I'm just going to, I'll, get involved in their game. So I'll, you know, I'll just be vicious when it comes to my politics or I'll be vicious when it comes to my worldview. Whenever you see, you know, the apostle Paul talks about leading a quiet life and working with your hands. Um, that's harder for me to want to do. Cause I, I want to be the, you know, I want to dominate but that's not what we see uh, Christ calling his citizens to. I think living uh, uh, here in America, I mean, it's, in one sense, it it gives, or it, um, for as Christians living in America, there's a struggle for how to rightly use or be involved in government, I guess, mm-hmm. or politics. Maybe that's a better way to put it. Because, I mean, thankfully we have, um, you know, to vote, we get to go out and vote, we get to go out and um, um, uh, rally people to our side and say, hey, let's all vote for this person or for this issue and whatnot. And maybe it's a good person and a good issue. And so, you know, one, so thankful for that, thankful that we have a still a democracy uh, here in America so that we can be involved in it. And so that's a good part of it. But then the the cursing, the curse of that is we can just think, oh, we can get our way here mm-hmm. in our nation just by getting enough people around us to do what's right. 
And so we begin to, our hopes begin to be tied to the, our government, to our politics in a way that we never really intended mm-hmm. uh, for them to be. And again, I'm, I'm thankful when we have laws that are passed that are good and right and biblical, uphold life and, um, and what is true. But we have to recognize that that's not always going to be the case. Um, that, again, the world that we live in is under the influence of the evil one. And um, our government's not always going to be doing what is right. And for Christians, if we become angry and upset and try to rally for our our way in that attitude, it's never going to be good because that's just showing our trust is really in government and not in God. And there, we have to recognize that some days that we live in, some eras, generations that we live in, um, it's going to be more difficult for Christians. And therefore, it's going to take that humble attitude Say, right, God, we're trusting in you, and our nation, our society may be off on the deep end, but we're not gonna um, become just uh, we're not we're gonna we're not gonna despair, or become hopeless, because our hope is ultimately in you, and we're gonna continue to live the way that we're supposed to uh, in, in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the verses you mentioned yesterday was Colossians three. And here is it's talking about, you know, putting on things. Um, it says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a, a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. And above all the, these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And you can just see how much, much even just reading that is contrasted to the king of or the um, culture of Babylon and its desires. And so, yeah, I do think meeknesses, generosity, humility, like all those things. Um, when you think about um, living those truths out in the world, you're like, well, we're just going to get run over. That's oftentimes what I hear people say is, you know, if, if you actually live according to what the um, – the Bible tells us you're just going to be a doormat, um, which may be true sometimes. And I think that's part of the reality that we don't want to swallow as Americans who have that kind of bravado is like, by all means, do whatever you need to do not to be a doormat and not to get run over. Um, but I don't think that was often the ad- attitude of Christ. And so yeah. I think that's part of what we have to accept as Christians is, is we are going to have to, we will sometimes be on the outside and we will get, abused and, and misused and um at during those times we are to continue to entrust ourselves to god who is our defender and i think that's what romans talks Roman 12 talks about is you know vengeance is god's not ours and so we have to seek to <clears throat> be at peace with all people and to repay evil with good um and so that's that's part of our our calling as we live in babylon is, is to be willing to overcome evil with good um uh, not to demand our way or try to use power or manipulate others, um, but that can be difficult because that seems to be such of the so much of the pressure of our society. Yeah, well, I, was, I was just thinking of what you when you was talking there. I don't know if I can uh, find it soon enough, but when Jesus was standing before Pilate, and you know Pilate was like, "Are you not gonna?" I'm paraphrasing here. Are you not gonna fight for 
your freedom or something like that or whatever. And he says, well, my kingdom is not of this world. Mm-hmm. And so he was in, in, a, in one sense, I don't want to take this too far, but in one sense he was that doormat there before Pilate. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not going to fight here. I mean, ultimately this was God's will for him to go to the cross, but also how was God's will accomplished for him to go to the cross? It was for him to, quote, unquote, be ran over by the government in his day. And uh, not just government, the people of Israel were involved, but uh, he's like, yeah, I'll stand here and because this, my kingdom isn't of this earth. Mm-hmm. It's a heavenly kingdom. And there's a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And the quote I'm probably going to butcher here that it's often mentioned is like the blood of the saints is the seed of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> sometimes we act like, you know, if we go take blood, that's how the church is going to advance and how God's kingdom is going to advance rather and sacrificing and giving our lives for, for the good of others. Um, and, but that's not easy. I think that's the hard part is mm-hmm. it sounds, sounds nice. Um, but actually when you actually have to live in the moment and sacrifice and be walked over and not to revile in return, um, that that's, uh, takes definitely God's spirit to convict us and to give us the strength to do that. Cause at least I know in my own heart and mind when somebody, um, mistreats me or particularly mistreats somebody else that I know that I care about, that's when I, I can easily get defensive and say, not, not going to happen and, um, want to fight back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Quote us, uh, that verse I was thinking of, um, it's in John chapter 18 and verse 36, it says, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. And um, anyway, so yeah, that just speaks volumes to how we are to react in our in our day today. Mm-hmm. That's the complete opposite of of how a you know a citizen of Babylon mm-hmm. would would respond to a, you know a question like yeah. that. Are you not going to do anything about this? Yeah. Uh, and so many you know um, in Nahum um, chapter three, it's a woe to Nineveh, which just describes the bloodiness of Nineveh and the plunder that they have and how they prey on people and how they, you know, they're having to walk over the skulls of people they've overcome. The language there is similar to what we see in Revelation um, in verse four of chapter three. It says, and all, and all for the countless whorings of the prostitute, graceful and of deadly charms, who betrays nations with her whorings and people with her charms. Just that seductive nature of the kingdom of, of this world, of the, the prince of the power of the air, of the, the god of this age. It's, it's seductive, but it, it, it lures people into this, to, to being the top of the hierarchy of, of being the, the dominant one. Um, that's just, yeah, it's so hard to reconcile in my mind how mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been called to not be at the top of the hierarchy. I'm like, everything else in life is telling me I should be the best and the strongest, but you're telling me uh, that I'm not, and your way was to lay down your life, um, to subject yourself to the overreach of government and religious leaders. Mm-hmm. Like that's uh, that's hard for me to, that part of my flesh to put off. I have to be active in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think, um, I'm kind of get some final thoughts here, but I think we've got to be watchful of two things. One is we're out in the world, um, basically just adopting the world's values and, and living like the world when we're, you know, if you want to say everyday life out in, um, in our, our job place, in our neighborhood, you know, when there's a Facebook post responding and, and kind um, in that way. 
and also within the church and how we treat one another. And that's a lot of the focus you see uh, in Paul's letters is that we should be uh, a representation of a different type of kingdom and how we treat each other within within the body. That we're to, uh, as I just read in Colossians, we're to forgive one another as we've been forgiven. We're to bear with one another. And, and that idea of bearing with one another means it's not going to be easy. Like people are going to sin against us and have personality differences. And uh, we're going to be tempted to uh, live like Babylon within the church. But, but God has called us within his body particularly to be something different, to display the gospel in a very particular way and how we treat one another. So any final thoughts just as we um, kind of wrap up this idea of, of living in Babylon and how we're to display a different um, set of values as we live our lives uh, in it? Yeah, it is what we was talking about earlier, just being watchful, like saying, all right, if these are the characteristics of the world that I live in, recognizing what those are, and then looking at your own life and saying, all right, am I bringing that into my home, into my church? Um, because it's almost like, you know, you're out walking in the world. It's just kind of that imagery of just the dirt of the world just kind of gets on you when you're walking around in it. But then you have to be very mindful of that and say, all right, I have to be getting this off of me because I can be so influenced by the the politics, the economics, the the, uh, the morality of the world and examining my heart and coming before the Lord and having him search me and repent, uh, confess and uh, strive to follow Christ. I was thinking about uh, Jeremiah chapter 29. You know, a lot of people go here and take some stuff out of context, but um, an interesting thing that, that, that comes up in this passage of, of, from Jeremiah is, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters a marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Um, I think it's that kind of the tension we've talked about as well of we're in the world, but we're not of it. Um, if we truly believe that that is, that is true, then we are, we're in exile here right now. Um, we're, we'll be in exile until new creation. Um, but we don't have to, we don't, we don't, while there is still time before Christ returns, we, we need to seek the welfare of our community preach the gospel, display the gospel, display the, the ethics of King Jesus and, uh, the values of his kingdom. Um, you know, this passage is like, hey, you guys aren't just going to be here for a couple of minutes. You're going to be here for a while. This could be a generational thing. And, you know, for me, I'm running a house right now, and, you know, I don't want to hang up anything on the wall because I'm like, well, we're just going to be out of here in just a little bit. Um, so for people who um, who are praying the prayer of God, make things on earth as they are in heaven, um, help us to um, be faithful and, and praying for Babylon while we are, we are in exile here. Yeah, it's the exhortation to not love the world but also not hate it mm-hmm. either because mm-hmm. uh, if you hate it then you're kind of not wanting to see people come to christ you're like mm-hmm. oh you're a bunch of filthy sinners and mm-hmm. we're gonna isolate ourselves as a church yes and that's not the solution either no yeah yeah i, I was reading or we were studying in sunday school uh, yesterday morning um psalm 33 and in there he talks about um ultimately how god's our savior but how uh, we're tempted to put our hope in, you know, the king's tempted to put his hope in a great army and in a, the war horse. 
Um, but ultimately, it's, it's God is the one who saves us. And I think we need to remember that God has put us in Babylon for a particular purpose, and we need to be careful not to use worldly means to accomplish God's work. We've got to seek, as we're living in our own community here in Canyon, um, to live according to God's word and trust that as we do that in our church, that he's going to transform lives um, and and build his kingdom here. And um, so I think that's how we have to walk by faith in, in the Babylon that God has, has put us in. Um, let, let me read this as we kind of close our time. And this is hopefully not stealing any thunder for you next week, Steve. Um, it's coming Sunday. Um, but Revelation 18 It says, come out of her, talking about out of Babylon, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. For her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. And so we see there this call that God has put upon his people. Yes, we live in Babylon, but we are not to share in her sin or her values. We are to live uh, according to God's word and according to God's values and trust that as he does that, he will glorify his name. And so... May you guys have a blessed day, and thanks for listening.